Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Best Medicine Podcast. I am your host, Ryan Engelstad, and here on the Best Medicine Podcast, we talk all about mental health, behavior change, solving life's problems, all hopefully with a dash of lightness and humor thrown in. This week, I have for you a conversation about motivation and action um, with Jay Sparks of the Ignite the Sparks podcast here on Anchor. Um, we did have some technical difficulties in the middle, so feel free to skip through a little bit of a gap there. But I wanted to, to share this conversation because I thought we got into some really interesting topics, um, particularly about motivation and starting new behaviors and changing old ones. Um, so I hope you enjoy this conversation with Jay Sparks. So what's up? My name is Ryan Engelstad. I am host of the the Best Medicine podcast, um, where I talk about mental health and um, parenting, a whole range of issues. Um, and who am I talking with today? My name is Jay Sparks, man. I'm with United Sparks podcast. Uh, my content is awesome. found uh, at internalmonarch.com, and uh, I kind of do content around bringing awareness to the physical, the mental, and spiritual aspects of ourselves. That's great. Okay. So, well, um, so, go ahead. Uh, but, okay, well, I happened to jump in. Uh, I happened to jump into a show that was uh, pretty much named Motivation vs. Action, and I was like, ah, I, I kind of feel that these two are, it's not, I don't really think they can be, you know, compared against each other. They both kind of have to be paired, paired with each other. And uh, before I get started any further than this, I want to let you know that the screen is still stuck at the purple screen. So if it gets disconnected, yep. I didn't hang up on you. Okay, no problem. Yeah, so I actually saw this topic. Um, I didn't. I didn't create this topic either. Um, but I, I do talk with a lot of my patients, being a therapist, about motivation and action. And I totally agree with you that they they do need to go together. You kind of almost can't have one without the other. Um, yeah. yeah. So if if you don't have the motivation, whether you think of that as the emotional energy or the physical energy. Um, to follow through on the action that you need to accomplish the goal, um, then it's not going to happen. But it's, it's it's interesting. I think a lot of stuff goes into this. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I mean, motivation, you know, is definitely um, probably one of the things a lot of people kind of lack in today's culture is the motivation part. I know that or I would say motivation and action because uh, um, people kind of like, as far as people that I'm coming across here lately, um, they kind of like have been defeated by a lot of failures or they're afraid to fail because they look at failure as something bad. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that, that I agree. That's a big problem. You know, people, you know, take their experiences from one attempt as what's going to happen to them every time. So like if they go out, um, you know, for a job interview and don't get the job the first time, it's like, oh, well, I guess I guess I'm not meant to be in that career path or I guess that's just not for me or I'm never going to get a job. And people make a lot of assumptions based off of limited information. Yes, I can agree with that. I will also say that the way to fuel, <laughs> that's why I said these both, these both have to go together. The way to yeah. fuel your motivation is actually by taking the action. You know, you might not be motivated to, you know, clean your house, but once you clean your house and act on that, 
then you might feel a bit motivated to, you know, invite people over and, you know, and do things like that. You know, so the action part is, is kind of like what, it's like a cycle, like the, like the um, infinity sign. You know, they kind of feed yeah. into each other. Yeah, I totally agree. I think, um, you know, something I talk about with my patients a lot is um, is when they can get a, what we call a corrective experience, which is that sort of what you're talking about, where you can try something again, even though you've had a bad experience before, and then have a good experience, whether it's you get a job, or your house is clean, so then people have, you know, more comfort in being able to come over there. Um, that corrective experience can have a huge impact on you then having the motivation to continue the positive behavior. Um, so it, it does take the willingness, or I guess the motivation to try something, even if you've had negative results before. I can, I can agree with that too. I hear you saying a lot about your clients and, and uh, you said something about, you know, taking care of, well, in the health field, like I was in the health field a couple of years back uh, for about 12 years, taking care of the sick and shut in and the elderly. You know, so I kind of can relate to some oh, of the work sure. you do. I don't know exactly what kind of work you do, but uh, I dealt with the um, intellectually disabled for a little bit, and then I transitioned into more of the elderly. Yeah, that's great. Um, yeah, I, I imagine that that's uh, those are issues that happen a lot with that population. So I'm a, I'm a mental health therapist. Um, I work with people who have everything from depression to anxiety to, you know, post-traumatic stress disorder. Um, and even just family and school stress, people come to me for all sorts of different reasons. Um, and I work with them to develop the skills that they need to accomplish their goals, you know, whether that's overcoming depression, learning how to cope with it, um, learning skills to manage their emotions or manage their relationships. So, um, but motivation to actually follow through on those changes is often a huge issue. Yeah. I'm going to ask you, because I, I have a person who uh, kind of deals with, they, they say they're depressed a lot, and I always try to get them to understand that depression, um, in a lot of cases, not all, um, has to do with having the same thought over and over, and you're kind of just playing in that in that realm of thought. And um, so I try to get them to think about different thoughts. But I was going to ask you, since you are actual therapist and licensed and all that, like how do you go about motivating a person who um, suffers from depression? to get them to get out of that thought that causes the depression. Yeah, so you're absolutely right that the that depression does involve a lot of repeated, automatic, negative thoughts. And it kind of goes back a little bit to what we were talking about, that to have new thoughts, you kind of have to have new actions and new experiences. Otherwise, you know, what's very common in depression is sort of being very isolated. So you picture somebody, you know, staying in bed all day or staying in their house or apartment all day you know, not really talking to anybody, watching the same shows on television that they like, you know, maybe eating the same food. Um, and the new actions, the new experiences can help them observe different things, not just about the environment that they interact with, but also with themselves. So if they can sort of have the willingness, or sometimes we think about it as just even the curiosity of like, oh, like what happens if I leave my house today and just go for a walk? Like, I wonder how that'll feel. And then what happens is that they leave the house. I mean, obviously, this is not, you know, 100% across the board what happens, but more often than not, a new experience will lead to new observations and new thoughts and potentially new feelings. 
So by them leaving the house, doing something different than they would usually do when they're depressed, they might, you know, run into somebody. They might um, get some fresh air and just like being outside. Um, you know, they might just feel more energized because their body is moving differently. And then they might be hungry for something else. Maybe they want to talk to somebody else. So really changing up that cycle that, that people can get stuck in when they're depressed is can what, what can is what can help them sort of kickstart their motivation to continue making changes. Okay. Now, uh, I want to, because you are, like I said, you're a therapist and things like that, I would like to try to get more value from you instead of me just doing yeah. talking and stuff. I want to ask you a couple sure. of questions and sure, uh, sure. Bring, bring it to the show. So uh, do you also deal with uh, helping people uh, get over things or letting things go? I do, yeah. So whether whether we're talking about like grief and loss, if somebody passes away, or like the loss of a job or the loss of a relationship, um, that's I'll say one of the most common reasons that people come into therapy. I think I think it's you know generally more accepted. Like oh, if your significant other or a parent somebody passed away, you know that's that's sort of an acceptable reason to come into therapy. So we do see a lot of people for that. Okay. Okay. Uh, yep. and you say, uh, I don't know how much time we have, so I, I can't see the, the timer, so I don't really know. Oh, uh, yeah, we got about seven, seven minutes or so, yeah. Okay, okay. I just want to make sure, I don't want to, I try to make, to make sure the show goes smoothly and there's no dead spaces and things like that. Do you have yeah. any, okay, okay, so how long have you been in the business? Sure, so, um, I have been in the mental health field for a little bit over 10 years, um, in different capacities. I've been uh, an individual therapist now for a couple of years. Before that, I was working in inpatient and outpatient programs, um, both for people who had substance abuse problems um, and also mental health problems. So now I'm doing um, a little bit more of my own thing, um, individual therapy mostly as opposed to group therapy. Okay, that's kind of interesting right there. You know, I've been in the health field, I kind of know, I was in it for over 12 years, so I kind of know that um, the field definitely requires patience, and it definitely oh, yeah. requires empathy and sympathy to be able to deal with some of the people you have to deal with. So being that I have this kind of awareness about that field, I would like to ask you, what kind of got you in this field? Like, what, what, how was your childhood to kind of shape you, or was it your childhood that shaped you to... Um, have a uh, an affinity toward helping people, or was it an experience? Like, what kind of got you into this field? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, growing up, um, my parents were both sort of in like service industries, like they help people. Um, my dad um, worked for, similarly to yourself, worked well a lot with um, senior citizens. So he um, ran a ran a couple of a um, senior citizen communities, did a lot of work with them. Um, my mom, you know, has been an accountant and a CPA. Um, I'm sorry, an accountant and uh, sort of like a business manager for different places. So they, they both of them have always been in the mindset of helping other people in one way or another. Uh, yeah, can you just find, I'm about to walk inside his uh, establishment real quick to pick up something and I'll be right back out. I'm on a mic that I just never know about the noise. Oh, don't worry about it. Take your time. Appreciate it, man. You have a nice day. Oh, y'all changed it to uh, containers now? Okay. All right. Well, thank you. All right. Appreciate it.
Sorry about that pause or delay. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. know. We, we had some. Time. Yeah, don't worry about it. Okay. Uh, I kind of forgot what we left off at now that we've been off for so long. But that's I mean, all right. If you yeah. Change the topic up. I mean, we can have a whole different show now that we have uh, unlimited access to the. That's time. true. We we certainly can. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, we were talking about something. Um, you had asked me uh, what my background was, why I got into wanting to help people. Um, and I think everyone has those sort of formative experiences. For me, it was, uh, I actually had an internship um, working in a, a drug abuse clinic while I was in college and seeing people struggle to change their behavior, even though it was so obvious that that behavior was causing them so many problems in their lives, yeah. you know, really made me start asking questions like, um, you know, how can, not only how can I help, but what can people do that will actually help them improve their lives instead of getting caught in these cycles over and over again? I got you. That's kind of, kind of, that's kind of, kind of some of the stuff I talk about. Now I told you earlier that I, I like to bring awareness to the mind, the body, and the yeah. consciousness or spirit. If some people don't believe in spirit, so I, I say consciousness. But um, I also, what I tell to my, my uh, audience about is uh, basically – being the program or being the programmer and i like to talk i talk a lot in metaphors and analogies and stuff like that but what i kind of compare that to is um is an app on your like your app your cell phone and what i always tell people is like if you woke up tomorrow and your your cell phone had 10 new apps on it you know what would what would be the first thing you do you know i ask you that question we can just we can just talk like that what would you what would be the first thing you did if you woke up tomorrow you had 10 new apps on your phone, what would be some of your thought processes and what would you do? I, I would think, you know, this is cool. I wonder what all this stuff is. And then I would probably waste an hour of my time going through all the different apps and seeing what they did. Um, <laughs> I'd probably avoid a lot of other responsibilities because I get sucked into this kind of stuff all the time. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, <clears throat> Uh, I would, me personally, I would, if I woke up tomorrow and my phone had 10 new apps on it that I did not download myself, I would think I was hacked, first of all, you know, and oh, sure. probably, <laughs> probably my first thought, like, oh, shoot, I didn't get hacked, you know, and, uh, and just out of curiosity, because humans are curious by nature, I would probably yeah. look to see, you know, what kind of apps are these, you know, and, uh, oh, so, you know, that would be my process, but, uh, what I talk to my people about is basically, you know, it, a normal situation like that, you will probably do that, and then you'll probably, you know, check them out. Uh, most people probably, you know, keep some of them, even if they know, even though they download them themselves, they will probably check them out to make sure they were, you know, legit apps, and if they were able to help them out in their life in any kind of way, they would keep that app. But out of the apps, lead about at least five to six of them, because, you know, they probably wouldn't need them. Um, in this analogy, the or the cell phone is actually your your persona, your personality, who you are. And the apps are um, your belief systems or your behaviors and things of that nature. And what I tell people, by default, you are the program. But you are not born to be a program. You're born to be the programmer. So by default, by before you turn seven years old, by default, 
it, you know, your parents have been, have downloaded apps on you, like, okay, I want you to speak English, Spanish, Chinese, whatever that, whatever the app is. Uh, and then they say, okay, we want you to operate in this type of way. So they put the app of uh, or, or behaviors on you. Uh, they also give you the app of belief, whatever that belief may be. Some of, some people don't have beliefs as far as uh, religion, but some of us do. And so they put that app on. And before seven years old, you have been downloaded with so many apps that you are operating at, at full capacity. But at a certain point in your life, you can you can you can change these programs, right? You can change some of these programs. No longer working on you. Some of them will, can be like a hack because now. Uh, you might been a, a family that you know might be racist, you know, and you you are growing up. You're a millennial, so you're not you're not brought up in that in type of environment. So now you realize that this app that was placed on you is actually a hack that's keeping you like a virus on you because even though that's not what you really you really want to operate, you know that's what was placed on you. So then what happens is it creates something called emotional blackmail. Mm, yeah is when you feel guilty for doing something for yourself uh, and it has nothing, it has bearing on the person whatsoever, like maybe changing your diet, changing your, it has nothing to do with anybody else in the world. But some people might not want to change their diet because they come from a family who are barbecue. They all, and that's just, that's what they do. And then all of a sudden you just stop eating meat and like, oh, if I don't eat meat, part of the family. And, and, and that goes into the pain pleasure. You see, so it can go everywhere, man. But that's the kind of stuff I like to bring out. And um, and this, the program. If you if people realize that they can be the programmer, a lot of the apps that are running us, you know, can be changed, and you can you can have more fulfilled in life. Yeah, I totally agree. I like that analogy a lot. Um, I, I talk about a similar idea with a lot of my patients that a lot of times, whether it's because of depression or anxiety or 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 how they were raised or experiences that they've had, they have these messages that they tell themselves, you know, I can't do this. I can't do that. Um, you know, I'm, I, it's not going to work out for me. So these sort of automatic negative beliefs about themselves. And the truth of the matter often is, is it's not that they can't, it's that they're, you know, they're afraid of what will happen if they try or they're anxious about what the results will be. Um, or they don't, want, they don't want to embarrass themselves, or it's all these other, you know, more accurate emotional blocks that kind of get in the way of them really trying to do what they want. Um, so, but as to your point, if you can sort of change your programming, if you can show yourself that it's more than just you can or can't do something, it's that your emotions have an impact on sort of how you view the world, then it actually gives you you know, more of a possibility of giving yourself a chance to try something and get new results. And based off of those new results, you know, being able to form healthier and more positive patterns in your life. Yeah, definitely. I always let people also know that, you know, because of what you just now said, it's always beneficial if you start to realize what you really want out of life. It's, the problem with a lot of things in life is that we are too general. And so we never really know what we want. And we always chasing our tails because we don't know. But if you can if you can be more specific about what it is you want out of life, then you can narrow. It's like chiseling, you know, chiseling down. You can narrow down all the unhappiness that you bring into your life because you're chasing something and you don't even know what you're chasing. <laughs> you know, so Absolutely. it's definitely able. It's definitely great. Uh, a great 
thing to be specific uh, with what you want in your life. Yeah, and I would even take it a step further and say, you know, when people have big goals for themselves, being able to make that first step as small as you possibly can, just so you can have enough energy or motivation, like we were talking about before, to take Mm -hmm. that first step to get that first positive experience, that can make so much of a difference in you being able to then take that next step and then follow through on that next step to make your goals even more clear and feel even more achievable. Yeah, and you actually got to be honest with yourself as well when you're trying to do things like that because I was talking to a guy um, just yesterday actually on this app, and uh, he was telling me, you know, he wanted to lose a couple pounds. I'm like, okay, how much do you weigh? He was like, ah, you know, I weigh about 340, and, you know, I'm a big guy. I'm like, okay, okay, how much do you want to lose? Like, I want to lose 150. I'm like, wow, that's a big number. You know, but if you break that down, I said, you know, you break that down a little bit, it could be it could be reachable. I said, give me a second. So I pulled out the calculator right there and there, right then and there, you know. And I divided the, I divided the 150 by, by six months because what we had left in here. And I like, so I asked him, you know, I was like, hey, do you think you can lose one pound a day? He's like, ah, 30 pounds in a month? I'm like, no, no, no. Can you just lose one pound a day, uh, 23 pounds in a month? Can you lose 23 pounds in a month, which means you get seven days to kind of play with or slip up? He's like, ah, I don't know if I can lose one pound a day, man. Maybe a half a pound. I'm like, hey, that works, you know? And I, you know, so I, I did the math again. I said, okay, so half a pound a day? That's 90 pounds for the end of the year. That makes, I'm, I'm starting to feel good for you. I ain't the one got to lose the weight, you know? Like, I can, half a pound is nothing to lose, you know? So I agree with you as well. Always breaking down your goals, you know, to make them reachable is definitely, um, you know, what they call it, chunking. I think that's what they call it, chunking. But if you can break your goals down into reachable, uh, attainable um, times, you know, or time frame, then – yeah. it's easy to get there and i use i like to use um acronyms too so the word act at least on my website the word act stands for always calculate trajectory you know mm. so if you, you know so if you act you know and you and you actually calculate where you're trying to get to then you're, you're bound to get there you might fall short every now and then but that's what life is about to to fail so that you can realize how you can be better the next time you know, or, you know, or just to just, I mean, failure. that's what life, life is about learning. You know, yep. there was a guy um, I was talking to uh, about two days ago who wanted to, uh, what did they say? They wanted to, can't remember. They said they wanted to do something, but I was like, sure. I was like, okay, well, how do you, how do you, you know, how did you learn how to walk? You know, like, well, you know, I had to keep trying and I kept trying to come trying. I said, keyword, there you go. You got to try, you know, you don't want to, you don't want to, you don't want to be defeated in your mind before you actually try, because that's where the first battle is actually fought at in the mind. You don't want to be defeated there first. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, um, I, I, I talk about a similar example with the people I work with that, um, in terms of, you know, people often don't actually know what they're capable of, you know, whether it's losing weight or changing other types of behaviors, Um, so I give them the example of trying to floss, you know, a lot of people don't floss their teeth for a lot of different reasons, but when they try, um, to start a habit like flossing, it's like, all right, I gotta, you know, do it before I brush my teeth. I gotta do it early in the morning. How long is it going to take? My gums are going to bleed. All these different things come in. And what I actually tell people with a behavior change like that is, you know, only promise yourself that you're going to floss one tooth. So when you wake up, you're going to feel really silly, but I want you to floss one tooth, immediately stop, and then go about the rest of your day. So you're going to floss that one tooth, and you can floss that one tooth for a week until it's really easy to floss that one tooth. Because as soon as you then commit to, okay, you know what, this is ridiculous, 
I can floss more than one tooth. Don't go and <laughs> floss all your teeth. Go floss two teeth and show yourself how easy it is to floss two teeth. And by the end of like two or three weeks, when you're just flossing three weeks, uh, flossing three teeth, you're going to be like, this is ridiculous. I can floss all of my teeth in like two minutes. Let me just do it. And now you've convinced yourself that not only is it easy, but you've shown that your gums don't bleed that much. It's floss is cheap. So you've overcome all the other different difficulties that you've set up thinking that it would be too hard to do. Yeah. Even with stuff like that, it always boils down to the person. They don't really know it. I don't think they really notice, but it always boils back down to them. And, you know, they have the reason why they accomplish anything is because for one, they wanted to accomplish it, you know, and they had that drive to do so. And sometimes people, uh, especially people who have low self-esteem or never really accomplish anything, you know, they think that the accomplishment might have happened because of someone else and they don't really give themselves as much credit as they really deserve. Right. Yeah, yeah absolutely right. I think people, people don't really know what they're capable of until they, you know, actually push themselves to give themselves a chance. Um, you know, and I think giving yourself the opportunity, having the curiosity to try a new behavior or a new approach to accomplishing your goals, sometimes it's all it takes to show yourself like, oh, I can actually do this. I can actually get better at this skill. I can learn this subject. I can make better relationships for myself. Um, I just had to give myself the chance to actually try a different approach. So let me ask you this question right here. Um, do you think that by, like at least in this culture right now, they're giving, you know, the losers, like the third, you know, people in last place, they're starting to get medals and ribbons for being in last place and things of that nature. Do you think that's a, uh, something that's helping people or, or creating, you know, situations like what we're talking about right now? So actually, that's a great question. I talk about this some sometimes with, um, you know, we get millennials get accused of this problem all the time that we were given trophies and stuff when we were kids. And I, I do think that it's a problem. I don't think it's healthy to, for us to give, you know, participation trophies. And I think the, the reason is that, you know, kids especially, but people in general need to, and I think you said something similar to this earlier when we were talking, they need to be able to experience quote unquote failure you know, not accomplishing their goals, but actually realizing that they survive, that yeah. they um, they come out the other side okay, that they're still loved, that they're still supported, they still have friends, you know, they can still be on the team. Just because you didn't come in first place doesn't mean everything's over. It just means this one time it didn't go the way you wanted to, but now you can learn from that supposed failure and improve and try to meet your goals the next time. So I'm very against participation trophies, um, all that kind of stuff, you know, there's, you know, it's okay to, you know, want kids to succeed, but it's also okay. I think it's important for, to want kids to be able to be resilient. And that's what dealing with failure is, is being able to experience something you didn't want to happen, but then to be able to, okay, even though it did. Yeah. Because in the real world, you won't get no participation trophy. You go to work and you that's don't right. do your job. Right. You're not going to get a paycheck. You know, right. they're going to they're gonna say, well, I clocked in, so I should get a check. No, no, just clocking in, it, clocking in does not get you a check. <laughs> right. You know, it's right. so, just this, this like bare minimum mentality where as long as you <laughs> show up, you're going to get a reward. But it, that's yeah. you're right. It, it doesn't happen. Yeah, I, I, I was noticing that in the, that TV show, This is a Voice. 
and I was talking to another person on this app, and I was they didn't they didn't they never uh, heard of Apollo Showtime at the Apollo, so they didn't really get what I was trying to explain to them. So sure. I asked you, Ron, how, are you all familiar with Showtime at the Apollo? Yeah, if you, if you were bad within the first five seconds, they just yank you off the stage, right? Exactly. You know, yeah. and, and, but you had to, you had to actually work to be recognized when you oh, went, went back in, right? And then right. and now we have the micro the microwave the popcorn version. This is the voice where you know a person get on the stage uh, get on the stage, and you know if one judge turns around, that's their way to be on on in front of of the world's eye. You so that's me? enough, right? and that's yeah. enough. You know, just to get that one chair. You didn't really get the approval of the people, really. You know, and stuff like that. You know, and some people don't really. I ain't gonna say deserve because that would be hating. I don't. I always want to see someone succeed, <laughs> but I don't want to say that. But some there are people out there who have put in more work and have went through yeah. more failures and still haven't got that opportunity. You know, what I mean? see, so, yeah, so, absolutely. I remember seeing. Um, I think it was Bernie Max um, at the Apollo, and initially the hated him but he through his like sheer force of personality and obviously his hard work he was able to win them over so that's a person that has experienced failure and probably different ways on stage and things like that but isn't affected by it so that's someone that that can easily overcome you know the the disapproval of other people of not getting the reaction that he wants and and that is a real strength that's real resiliency and I, i wish that that was something that was maybe more prioritized when it came to sort of dealing with failure. But, you know, parents often want to protect their kids, and that's that's when some of these mistakes happen. Yeah, and see, that you know, it has, it has a, a, a snowball effect to that because if you allow a child to go through that kind of stage without getting tough skin, like you talked about Bernie Mac getting that tough skin, you know, yeah. then they grow up and they start, and, you know, that, that can grow up to be a bully or, you know, or, or yeah. someone who hates, you know, certain people for not liking their way of thinking or their way of doing something. And then they, that was, and, and now that they're grown, they never really have to learn how to control that side of themselves. So now they, they lash out at you or, you know, something like that. So it, it, failure is definitely a building block for character. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. And I think um, it, it also kind of sets them up where failure is this huge dangerous thing that even just the idea, whether it's someone not liking you or you're not getting a job or you're not succeeding, becomes this huge referendum on you as a person versus it just being one thing that you could get over. Yeah. Yeah, but hey, listen, I, I got to wrap up in a couple minutes. Um, so um, plug your podcast again. Tell me a little bit about what you, guys, what you talk about. All right, my name, my podcast is uh, Ignite the Spark, which you're seeing now. And uh, the name of my website is internalmonarch.com. Uh, I kind of came up with that term. Uh, at first, it was perceptional insights. I, like, I don't like that. So I changed it to internal monarch uh, because that, to me, signifies to a person like internal, basically. We all are internal. We have two worlds. And what yeah. I mean by that is we have the internal world and we have the external world. But the reason why the external world is so chaotic is because our internal world as a collective species is chaotic. You see, and we haven't really had took time to um, really hear our inner thoughts. Um, I know you said you had to wrap it up. I apologize if I hold you up a little bit. Uh, But um, a lot of times, especially here in the Western culture, we're distracted by a lot of noise. You know, cell phones, TV, news, drama, fear. We're distracted. But if you ever had, um, 
if you ever had experience where maybe your your cable your power went out or um, you just had a lot of free time, maybe you got you know got laid off of work and you had to take unemployment for a little bit of time, and you yep. just had time to really hear your own thoughts, you will start finding out that if you didn't have uh, own or a cell phone, you'll find out if you just sit there, you're going to start hearing productive thoughts like, hey, why aren't you doing this? Or, hey, why aren't you fixing this? <laughs> That's what happens when you don't really have the distractions around you. You start hearing more productive thoughts. And so, I, I, you know, I came up with internal monarch so that people can say, hey, I, well, I can bring awareness to people say, hey, you know, um, nothing in the external world can get here without coming through the internal world first. Everything has to be thought of before it can even be created. So with that being the case, you know, learn how to control your actions, your behaviors, and your thoughts. Or not really even control your thoughts, because that's kind of hard to do sometimes. But at least be aware yeah. of the thoughts that you're having, you know, and also be aware that thoughts are things, just like Wi-Fi. It, there's no difference between Wi-Fi and thoughts, other than the fact that we have learned how to harness the wave of Wi-Fi, but we haven't really learned how to harness the wave of thought yet. And, you know, so being that, being that the case, your thoughts can attract certain things to you or experiences to you, so be be mindful of what you're thinking, you know, and also be curious. You know, I don't I don't want to go into the Bible or anything like that, but the Bible says something about um, being like a child, not be a child, but being like a child. And the way I kind of decode that is when I look at children, is they when they first get here, they don't know nothing. They don't know nothing. They observe everything. And they just ask questions, ask questions, ask questions. So that's what I try to inspire people to do. Like, ask questions. Don't just take things for face value, you know, because everything here is a concept. So, you yeah. know, like, if that's the case, why not ask a question? You know, people kind of, like, well, my grandmother said, hey, you know, Jeffrey, you are, you are definitely different. Because I asked her one day, like, Ma, I call her Ma. Ma, why do people think God is a man? Like, you know, everything in this world, a car battery, um, your yeah. remote control battery, Everything has a dual positive, a positive and a negative, anything that creates a spark in it anyway. Um, a male and a female create that spark to come, come up a baby. So why would God only be polarized in the masculine spark but not have any female spark? How did that create anything? You know, and like, you just ask some crazy questions. I'm like, well, you know, that's, that's what I'm here for. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I, I, love, I love curiosity. I think curiosity cures a lot of our ailments. So I'm, I'm totally with you on that. Yeah, but I, I don't. I don't really. I don't really. Uh, I'm not aiming to um, step on toes. I'm not aiming. I'm not coming with a malicious attack. Oh, I don't. I don't attack a person's beliefs because I, I always tell a person. I try to talk to them where they are. You're atheist. I talk about consciousness. I won't say nothing about spirit. I talk about energy. You know, if you're a sure. Christian, I talk about God. You're a Muslim, I talk about Allah. You know, I try to talk to a person burst off where they're at because it's all the same. You know, it, it, and when you boil it all back down to the very root of everything, it's all pretty much the same so, to me, period. Uh, anyway, uh, and so I just try to talk to a person based off where they're at, and then I try to get them to expand themselves by being able to look at other people's point of view, by, but keeping their own unless something resonates. Yeah, well said. So, so yeah, I, I appreciate the, the conversations that you're having, and I appreciate the conversation we had today. Um, I'm definitely going to look for your podcast, Ignite the Sparks, um, over on my pag podcast, which I just started recently. Um, I called it the best medicine because I feel like um, no matter what the situation you're in, there's a skill, there's something, there's a solution. If you're just willing to, to sort of look and try different things, there's something that's going to be there for you to, to help solve the problems, help things get better. 
And then obviously also, you know, laughter is the best medicine. So I try to bring a lighter approach to things sometimes. Um, so, yeah, so that's, that's where I'm coming from. And I, I thank you for having a conversation with me today. Oh, no problem, Ron. I appreciate you, everything you shared today, too, man. Like, we we'll make sure I get this across to uh, my platform because you did share some insightful things about, you know, depression and things of that nature. And so I appreciate you being uh, in that field and helping people, man, because, you know, help is what this world needs. <laughs> That's right. Well, well, same to you. And I hope everything works out for you. And I'm happy to talk to you again anytime. All right, Ron. You take it easy. All right, you too. Bye-bye.